Speaking of work, much, of course, is said about burnout these days. It often focuses on the experience of the worker. Um, you know, cynicism about the workplace, self negative self-esteem. I'm sure many of you have been there before when you simply don't feel like you could get out of bed and go to that job one more day. We're getting better at figuring out how to cope with it, but often it's the wrong wrong approach. We sort of focus on the person themselves. What happened to them? How do you help them? Whereas often the problem is much bigger than that. So they go away for a while, then they come back. And oftentimes the real problem, what led to the burnout in the first place, the stresses that really caused the issue are still there. So what would be a more effective way of tackling what is a very costly problem? Speaking of labor shortages, a very costly problem in this country in more ways than one. Joining me now is Dr. Michael Leiter. He's an organizational psychologist and consultant. He's also the co-author of The Burnout Challenge. Thanks for your time. Great to be here. Uh, this is a topic we talk about a lot. I think there's a lot of theories out there as to why we're seeing what we're seeing. But just how much impact is uh, burnout having? on Canadian employees and employers? Alberta has a very big impact. It is takes away a lot of the energy and enthusiasm that people have for their work. And um, it is uh, something that has become more intense as people actually have started thinking through work in a much more thoroughgoing way. I think the uh, changes over the last couple of years have gotten people to reflect on this a lot. and. Uh, it's making a big difference in terms of uh, how people want to work, where they want to work, and when they want to work. As an organizational psychologist, it must be um, it must be there's a lot of fodder, a lot of grist for the mill in 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 this topic for you. Oh, there very much is. Like, I, it, it, as an organizational psychologist, you're often hearing that well, we can't change that. Our organizations can only do so much. We can only change. A little bit at a time. And then with the pandemic back in March, April of 2020, organizations changed the nature of work in a huge and thoroughgoing fashion and demonstrated that with the right conditions, work can change very much, very quickly. And it does have impact on people when they do it. So can we change in a way that has really positive impact on people from those changes? Yeah, where there's a will, right? Um, you you look into something called the mismatch model, which is interesting because I, I think one of the things that you pointed out in the book that that rings true to me is that oftentimes burnout is identified as the who. Why did that person burn out as opposed to the why? Why, why generally did that person burn out? So it's we make it very personal when in fact we should probably be looking at it more broadly. I think, yes, we look at it very much as a relationship issue, the relationship of a person with their work, with their workplace. And that comes down often to relationships of people with other people, um, particularly the supervisor, but their colleagues, uh, their clients, whoever they're interacting with. And the nature of that interaction in terms of things like how much autonomy, how much uh, micromanagement you're dealing with, uh, as well as just the quality of do you feel that you're being respected as a valued member of that community? Those kinds of things are very big when it comes to determining whether people have that engagement and enthusiasm for their work. Yeah, if you walk through the mismatch model a bit, because I gather there are is it six or seven uh, criteria to it, but it, it, they all of them make 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 perfect sense when it comes to why uh, employees or even managers, for that matter, may run into problems at work when there's imbalances. 
Right. We look at this six areas of work life and uh, we start with workload and workload is certainly a big important piece of it, both the amount of work, how much it spills over into the rest of your day, as well as just how complicated it is, how emotionally charged. All of that is a package that has to do with workload. And is that matching up with what the person wants to bring in terms of their time and talent and energy and commitments to their work? So that is sort of a, a pivotal kind of mismatch when it's not working right it really can lead to exhaustion and people right. being really worn out and that's but, kind of the, um, the common one right yeah. over overwork workload we often think of that as really we think of that as burnout uh in its very yes. definition yeah but right. there are other it's things there, yeah. and there are others yes and it's it, it, it is important you have to look at that but just as important are things about control. Do you feel like you actually can make some meaningful decisions about when and how and whatever you work? Uh, the sense of reward, both appreciation as well as finances, uh, and that sense of community I mentioned before. People want to be part of a real community and be cherished by it. Uh, this, the fifth one is fairness. So are you being treated fairly and with respect at work. And the sixth one that pulls a lot together has to do with values. Uh, are your values and your employer's values, are they aligned? Are you doing work such that the more that you're you know, going to what your employer wants you to do, the more you're doing what you want to do? Or are you going in different directions that way? It's important issues. It is, I mean, um, and you mentioned it earlier, but we have seen a real change over the last few years, uh, you know, probably provoked in many ways by the pandemic, but also working at home uh, and how much that's changed the workplace. Uh, when you look at, at just how much this issue of, first of all, the impact on burnout period seems to have been pretty significant um, as well, because those that work-life uh, divide melted away, but also just people's reassessing how they want to work, who they want to work for. You must have seen a big change over the past few years. It was a big change, and it was quite mixed depending on what you're doing. For some people, things grew in intensity, particularly frontline health people, uh, a lot a lot of work, a lot of uh, you know risk involved in it that wasn't there before, the need to change a lot of procedures and work outside of your comfort area. A lot of that was driving that sense of exhaustion and cynicism and, and, and discouragement that is really the hallmark of, of burnout. Uh, in other contexts, uh, some people... You know, a lot of people were directed to work at home, and that was a strain for some people, but other people loved it. They uh, took out the commute. They didn't have to deal with some of the annoying people they had to deal with before at the job. Uh, there are a lot of people thought that working at home thing a pretty good idea. And, uh, and now we've got this problem. Well, what happens when your employer wants to pull you back to the workplace again? Michael Leiter is with us. He's an organizational psychologist and consultant, co-author of The Burnout Challenge. And we're talking about burnout this half hour uh, and some of the, first of all, how to recognize it, what causes it, uh, the impact of it. But let's talk about how to fix it, because you bring up a lot of ideas in the mismatch model, which is which are interesting. And then you think, well, there are jobs where certain things such as um, autonomy or control sometimes aren't just, just aren't part of the, the job itself. So uh, where do you feel like employers have to do better, senior managers, but also employees have to sort of take a very good, hard, cold, realistic look at what it is they do and whether or not it satisfies the things that they need out of a job? 
It is, it, it is, as we said, a relationship kind of problem. It's a breakdown in a relationship of people with their work. And with that, it means for both employers and for individuals to reflect on, well, what's going on with that relationship? Uh, too often, uh, these kinds of problems are, it's, it's sort of a bad boyfriend model. We say, well, you've got a, there's a problem here in our relationship. You better go, you better go fix yourself. But no, it's something they need to work on together. And I think that uh, for individuals, one is to think about those six areas of work life that we were talking about. And what is it that's going on across those areas? What's working for you? When you think about when you were having a really good time at work today, yesterday, last week, uh, what was going on? What were you doing? What were other people doing? What kind of interactions did you have? Uh, what was it like when it was going well? And uh, then you can contrast that with, well, what's it like when it's not going well? And what kinds of things are annoying you? What are the pebbles in your shoe that are giving you a problem? And, and thinking that through uh, so that you know as an individual, what is the match you're looking for at work? Then for the employer side of the equation, uh, I, I think a big issue there is, again, for managers to have a clear idea of what is it that we're looking for from this person? What, what is productivity? What is a good contribution? I've, I've heard a lot of conversation, well, we got to get people back to work so they can have that creative whatever going on. And, you know, well, I've been to a lot of workplaces and spent a lot of time at workplaces without a whole lot of creative whatever going on at all. It was Indeed. just sort of just being there. So yeah. how is that supposed to be working? What is it you exactly you want from people? And saying something like, well, we want to see creative juices flowing. It's not very convincing. So thinking those kinds of things through. So you know what really is critical and having the flexibility, uh, you know, so that particularly frontline managers having the flexibility that they can work with people to find a solution that really harms for you know, all involved. And finding a solution here and, and onto the management side of things, um, you know, I've been in organizations where there's a lot of emphasis on trying to fix this uh, without necessarily recognizing what the problem is, you know, sort of saying, well, workers are burning out. That means they have too much work or but oftentimes it's more subtle than that. And I, I wonder if, if in each situation, as companies struggle to try to figure out how to because the loss of productivity to burnout is huge. And, and often, you know, you're talking about employees who are valuable and, and losing them once you've trained them is a huge expense to companies. It's a huge expense to the individual too, if they're not happy at work, once all this investment's been made and learning how to do the job. Um, what, what should organizations do to try to make sure that their attempts to solve this issue are genuine? Because oftentimes you talked about cynicism being one of the impacts of burnout. And oftentimes companies, I feel watching them from afar, sort of go on off on, you know, this huge crusade to try to make sure everyone's happy and our culture is great, but it belies the truth. And sometimes employees see right through that. And it adds to the cynicism and the burnout when you feel like your organization's talking out of the other side of their mouth. Right. Well, I think the, the approach that we talk about in the book is one, getting a good assessment of what's going on with across those areas of work life and how that's related to people's experience of those core dimensions of burnout, of exhaustion, of cynicism, and discouragement. But then having a framework where once you identify that this particular work group has a real problem with uh, with control, that people have a, some day-to-day -day decisions and how they're 
team is getting the work done and they keep running into administrative bumps that slow them down. And, and it just seemed very inefficient and annoying from their point of view. Um, then you get some kind of facilitated process going on so that that work group can solve that problem, can say, what is it that's getting in our way? What is really the value of this? How can we minimize the number of steps it takes to like approve overtime or to bring in some more resources or whatever so that we can just move quickly through this rather than going through a number of steps that makes you know some manager feel like they're in control of things. Instead, we've got to figure out what is the most efficient way to run this place. So that can often be, because what I find, particularly with, uh, you know, serious professionals, it's not so much, you know, working a lot, but it's when they're working and figuring they're wasting their time or they're just running up against uh, frustrations. That's the kind of work that really discourages people and pushes them towards burnout. Yeah, and I suppose that's true right across the board. It doesn't matter what you do, right? It doesn't matter what you do, no. And with some groups, what we've worked with, the, the main issue, you, you look at a work team and you find they're not getting along with each other. People feel that in their day-to-day -day interactions, they aren't respected, they aren't valued, they aren't being appreciated. And so we work with groups on how to improve that culture. So there is, in those little interactions that people have day-to-day, -day, they're conveying appreciation and they're conveying that you know, we really do value one another's contributions. That's an important part of any kind of group. And one of the bigger things, big correlators with uh, burnout is the quality of social interactions people experience day to day. Yeah, I, I guess this is the always the billion dollar question. But if you feel like you're heading towards that burnout, if you see some of recognize some of those symptoms in yourself, what should you do? Well, um, I think as an individual, I mean, I, that's where I start. you start reflecting on, well, what is it about this job that is pushing me in that direction? And then you go into, well, is there anything I can do about that? And say, well, it really has to do with, um, you know, I, be, I feel like I'm being unfairly uh, treated when it comes to, uh, you know, assigning shifts that we're going to work. So be something specific as that and saying, well, okay, how can I solve that problem? If I can't solve that problem, and it really is pushing me towards burnout. When do I have to make a decision to uh, to leave this job? So that it can get to that extreme, if you say. But if you can catch it early on, you might be able to talk with your manager and find different ways of getting that solved so that you feel good about what happens on those important decisions about when and where you work. Yeah, tackle the little things before they become big things, right? Michael Leiter, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I've really enjoyed talking with you about this.